Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to Metron Live, coming to you from a beautiful Kirkwood area, the Atlanta Theater. Metron people, would you please welcome the podcast people? Let them know that you're glad. Again, thank you, uh, Charles McFall, for making these possible. Low these many years. I appreciate it. And um, Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving, and it would um, behoove us to observe that. And, um, uh, you know, I know some of the political correctness issues about colonization and that sort of thing. I, I respect wh- whatever your politics is on that. I Just from a fully um, spiritual aspect, I'm glad that we have a holiday that is set aside just for being grateful. I think that's positive. I'm sure history has been rewritten and whitewashed and all that. I'm, I'm aware of all that. But I still think it's a good thing, however we got here, that we uh, can say, you know, let's, let's, be th- let's, let's put something on the calendar that reminds us. Of course, we should be thankful every day. But uh, it's, it's nice to honor the concept of giving thanks. And I hope you have a good one. And um, uh, what I want to share today, these are all things that I've shared before. I think I've even used some version of this title before, but I'm going to use it again, and I want to add something to the concept. My title is Embracing All Things, with the emphasis on the word all, Discovering the Power of Radical Gratitude. And I've used, not only have I used this uh, quote before, uh, it actually was in my Facebook memories this morning where I posted it a few years ago. So obviously this this day of the year I think about it. But let, let me just, I'm going to get to the scripture in a minute, but I, I love Emerson. And this is an Emerson quote. It says, cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. All right, that's a no-brainer. Sure, if good stuff happens, yeah, I'm thankful for that. But then it says, and because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. Now let me tell you, this is, this is what they call burying the lead. I'm going to tell you what this message is about. I'm going to give you the punchline before I tell you the joke. And it's, it's just quite simply this. Being glad that something happened is a different thing from being grateful that something happened. Now, I really want to get that across to you because we talk about being grateful for everything. It, it's a natural instinct to say, hold on there. There's some things that have happened in my life. There's, you know, in my most positive, proactive mindset, I can't find anything good about it to be happy about it. And again, it comes back to the concept of compartmentalizing. Being glad that something happened is not the same thing as being grateful that something happened. Let me give you two or three examples. If you have a loved one that's been sick for a period of time, and they're, they're clearly not going to get better, and they finally transition, pass away, die, whatever your terminology is, you feel two things simultaneously. It's not a happy thing, but you're grateful that they're not suffering. Exactly. You can feel two things at the same time. Um, or, or at least you should be able to. If you haven't, if you haven't learned how to compartmentalize by now, that may be why you, you stay in a state of depression a lot. Because er, everything comes down to knowing how to not just rightly divide the scriptures, but rightly divide your thoughts. And to say, I can feel sad that I lost someone and also grateful that they are not suffering and grateful for whatever we had the time that we have. Uh, Dr. Seuss is famous for saying, don't cry that it's over, smile that it happened. Uh, and I think anytime I talk about this, I usually will refer to this as well. But in the, the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, The King and I, which is based on a true story about the Anna, the, the woman that had a, a relationship with the King of Siam back in the 1800s. 
there's a famous song because she she plays a widow who had left uh, England to go to Siam to uh, tutor the king's children. Y'all familiar with the uh, Deborah Carr and um, Yul Brynner? Um, but there's a, a song that she sings, Hello Young Lovers Wherever You Are. And I love the line in, in it when she says, Don't cry for me, young lovers, wherever you are. I've had a love of my own. In other words, she says, when I look at young people who are just starting out in life and just enjoying life and everything, I'm not jealous of them, and I don't want them to feel sad about sharing their good news with me because I don't feel sorry for myself. I had such a wonderful love that I'm I'm content. I'm not I'm not mad at you guys for getting to live your life because I lived my life. And I think that's very, that's very important. It's very positive. Some of you all remember, um, uh, I, I think you all would remember Marshall Ruffin who sang for us. For, you know, he and Corey moved up to, is it Virginia they moved to somewhere? Anyway, they, they had a lot of challenges with, because they, they want to have a, a child. And they just had a lot of fertility issues. Uh, even to the point that I don't think they would mind me saying this. I, I told them, I said, you know, whatever you go through medically, to make this happen. Let me just tell you, there's a sweet spot between not wanting something enough and wanting it too much. And you have to you have to learn how to find and navigate that. Because sometimes when you want something so much, it nearly becomes an obsession that can be counterproductive. So you're going to have to, you know, do everything you know to do and then also let let it go at the same time. Again, compartmentalizing or or you could even call that multitasking so um this week i was i was um had to go to the social security office or something and i was scrolling through um it was in my memories that i had married them uh three years ago that day and Corey had uh tagged me and because she had posted something about it and she messaged me and said oh by the way uh, we're having a boy in April. I said, I don't know if Marshall told you. And I said, no, he didn't tell me. I might have wanted to know that. I've been really invested in your story. Thanks a lot. And, uh, she, and you know, of course, I, the world doesn't revolve around me. I'm sure the first thing that did not come to their mind when they find out they were pregnant is, we've got to let Bishop Swilly know. But, but I did pray with them and talk to them about it. So anyway, th- I congratulated them sincerely. And... um and I'm looking at, uh, you know, young people starting out with having babies, having children, and it doesn't make me want to have babies. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm, I'm so happy for them. And I can celebrate with them and go, oh, it's such a wonderful time of your life that I'm so happy is over. Because it was wonderful. I, you know, I loved, I, I was a very hands-on dad, you know. I was there when all four of my babies were born, and I, you know, I changed diapers. I, I, I was not an absentee father. Um, but having done all that, <laughs> uh, when I see somebody else starting out in life, I'm just very happy for them, and I'm not in the equation. I never think, oh, I miss those days, because I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm still parenting. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, you know, Jared is, uh, he turned 40 this year and uh, he's been gone for a month. He's been up, he's up upstate New York. He's friends with Sean Lennon. John Lennon's, pardon me for name dropping, but he is. And, uh, he's been up, upstate New York doing a lot of stuff. He's been gone for a month and, uh, just texted me a few minutes ago, said, I'm coming in at 4.30. Can you pick me up today? Which really throws a curve in our schedule today. We haven't been home in a while. The the power's been off in my building for over, close to 48 hours. So we finally checked into a hotel last night because I thought, well, we can't get ready Sunday morning in the dark. Uh, and uh, just as we got checked in and settled into our room, the concierge <laughs> texted and said, the problem's now been fixed. I'm like, well, okay. Then I'm just, we're just gonna enjoy. I've never stayed at the, at the, uh, Georgian Terrace before, so I guess we're just gonna make the best of it. 
And uh, on the elevator down today, people were going, did you enjoy your trip? I said, yeah, I just lived down the street. But yeah, it was, <laughs> it was fine. But um, the, the point is, we have a lot, lot to do today. We got laundry we got to do. We got to take care of my mom, whatever. And when Jared texted, there's a part of me that wants to say, actually, picking you up at 4.30 is incredibly inconvenient. But he's been gone for a month, and so I've got to figure out a way to do it. We still haven't figured out how we're going to get everything done today. So the parenting doesn't never stops. It just changes. And, um, and I'm glad for those changes. Uh, I was I was happy when my kids started driving and I didn't have to I didn't have to be the Uber for them everywhere like that was that was a good thing so um, so those are some things I think about also like in the scriptures you got the story of Joseph after all the horrible stuff that his brothers did to him when you finally get to chapter fifty uh, when he was revealed to them in chapter fifty of Genesis he said you meant it for evil but God used it for good he's he's basically saying if if you hadn't sold me into slavery and tried to kill me, we would have all starved in Canaan. Now, he's not saying he's happy about the fact that they basically stole his life and his youth. While they were while they were having a life, he was in an Egyptian prison on a false rape charge. So it would be really easy to just want to get revenge. And they were afraid that's what's going to happen. Remember when the brother said, if if he knows who we are, he's going to kill us. Most people would have wanted to. Um, I mean, we've got a, a an ex-president who says if he's reelected, his number one thing is to get vengeance on all of his uh, on all of his enemies. I'm thinking, well, that's there's a good campaign slogan. Like, let's get everybody back. Okay, since nothing's happening in the world that needs any attention, let's go for let's go for revenge. Give me an R. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm trying to make political statements, but I was just reading. I talked about it Friday night. On my one, that pastors are saying now that in their congregations, people are complaining about the Sermon on the Mount because they say Jesus is too woke. We don't want to hear his words about turning the other cheek. That doesn't work anymore. And I'm thinking, well, that's a broad interpretation of rightly dividing the, the word. Let's just create an entirely new Jesus. That's nothing like the original. We've already made him a white man, so let's let's go ahead and make him, you know, make him something else. Um, and and not even uh, not even shy about it. They're like, you know, we just we we just believe, you know, Jesus was a liberal, and and uh, we don't want to hear about him anymore. Interesting. So and so, why are you going to church exactly? I'm not ex- I'm not exactly sure. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, the the point. Why did I bring that up? I was thinking. <laughs> uh, what? Yes, that's what it was. Yes, we we finally got it. Was all of that? Yes, that Joseph could have. If Joseph just said, "Oh hell no, y'all y'all took my life from you. I'm Pharaoh now. Y'all are all dead." And you know, in that context, most people would have said, "Well, that sounds about right." But he says, no, you know what? It, I've made peace with it. It turned out to be a good thing. That doesn't mean he liked it. Being grateful for something doesn't mean you liked that it happened. And then the classic example to me, I refer to it a lot, but uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he rebukes the people for executing Jesus. He says, you killed an innocent man. And it says he just rakes them over the coals. And in the next breath, he says, and it happened exactly as God had planned. Like, how is that? That doesn't even make sense. How can you be saying you did something terrible that was the will of God? And so, if you conflate feeling good about it and feeling grateful, you're going to stay in a state of confusion. You've got to put some things aside and say, this was a terrible, painful thing that I'm going to, I'm going to um, express gratitude for, not happiness that it happened. Because here's what it, well, let me, let me show you these scriptures and then I'll get to the, I'll explain it more. You're familiar with Romans 8.28, King James Version says, we know that all things work together for good. 
Let me show you. This is, it. oh no, I've got a meme. Sorry. Thank you. I'll get to it. Let me show you the meme. Thank you, Michelle. I was, it was just a test. Michelle, I was just seeing if you were paying attention. Uh, I posted this meme yesterday, but I really like it. In order to love who you are, you cannot hate the experiences that shaped you. You know how you know that you've grown up finally is you can, you can agree to that. Because until you can express gratitude for all of it that made you who you are today, there's still going to be this impulse in your mind to want to rewrite history. Have you ever thought you'd made peace with something and thought, I'll never think about that again. And you wake up one morning and there it is. That whole thing's sitting right there on your chest. And you're, and the first thing you think is, how could they have said that to me? And you think, why am I, where did this come from? Or, or something will trigger you or there'll be a song or something that reminds you of a negative thing that happened. And before you know it, you're reliving the whole thing. You're, you know, your, your body is producing all of these chemicals that are reacting to a negative thing. And as far as your body knows, it's happening again. I mean, a lot of people self-sabotage their own health. Because they keep reliving a thing that keeps their body in that same stress cycle. Uh, Dr. Dispenza talks a lot about this, that you're, you're, when you're rehearsing a negative thing in your mind and you're feeling all those things again, you're feeling the hurt, you're feeling the pain, your body thinks it's happening again. So what you're doing is you're just putting yourself through it over and over again. And you're actually being worse to yourself than the person. What, what you're doing to yourself is actually more destructive than what that other person did to you. Now, let me show you the scripture. This is Romans 8.28, and this part of it is out of the uh, the very wordy Jonathan Mitchell New Testament. But it, I like what he says here. He says, He is constantly working the good, happy things together. What? Did I re- misread it? He is constantly working the the fun things together. Is it my cataracts? I don't know. I can't. He is constantly working the exciting things together into good. He is constantly working all things together into good and is progressively working all humanity together into that which is advantageous, worthy of admiration, noble and of excellent qualities. Yet we know that God is continually joining everything together or working together with everything into goodness by those continuously loving God. I love the way he says this. He's working everything together into good or or he's working with everything. Now let me tell you something. I'm not one of these people who believes everything happens for a reason. I, I do not ascribe to that. When people say it, you know, God's got a plan. Everything's got it. Like, when you tell me a child sexually abused, I do not believe there was some greater good that was supposed to happen. I don't think there's a God somewhere that's orchestrating all that stuff. What I do think is, whatever happened can work together for good. That's a very different thing. When people put it neutral too much and say, well, everything happens for a reason, I think they become too passive. Uh, now, the... Flip side to that, Eckhart Tolle says the root of all suffering is resistance to what is. And there's a truth to that. How can two things be true like that at the same time? Because they can. Everything's not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything's the tree of life. Or it should be. So you can make peace with a thing like, I made peace with the fact that we checked into a hotel, but today when I saw that what they charged me was about $150 more than what the, the thing actually, you know, by the time you, you make a reservation online and by the time they put in all these fees and taxes and, and parking your car and everything, I'm like, good Lord, where did we stay? Uh, but I'm still grateful I wasn't sitting in the dark last night. I'm grateful I wasn't out on the street. So was I happy about it? Yeah, it was a, the bed was fantastic. I got a really good night's sleep. So I'm grateful for that. Am I happy that 
it costs a little more. Um, even th- this morning, they have a thing where it says, uh, text the guy that you're ready for your car. So I did, and we waited and waited and waited, and finally I said, I think we should, let's just walk on down. Of course, there was a zillion people checking out. So finally, you know, we're just sitting there, and I, after like half an hour, I get a text that says, uh, oh, we're not taking uh, text today. You have to turn it into the guy manually. I'm like, I would have loved to have known that 30 minutes ago, but hey, the guy's, the, the guy's name was Alpha. His name was Alpha. I went over and said, hey, Alpha, here's my ticket. I wish you had told me about half an hour ago you weren't taking text because in the room it says that's what I'm supposed to do with this piece of paper. It says text you. And I didn't have any other information. But Alpha just said, hey, y'all enjoy y'all's day. I'm like, okay. Well, I guess we will. And there's no point being upset about it. I mean, I wanted my car. It is what it is. I could fuss and fume about it, but I'm not, I'm not going to get that money back and I'm not going to get that half hour back. And it was fine. I sat in a beautiful lobby and just enjoyed the scenery. <laughs> you have to just get to where you say, well, this is what is happening. And, uh, in the, until it gets better, I guess I'm just going to have to make the best of it. And be grateful. I'm telling you, if you learn, I think learning to make a quick gratitude list in your mind is as powerful as learning to meditate. I really do. Because if, if, if you find your mind spiraling downward, just literally, sometimes I do it out loud. I'm grateful that I had something to eat today. I'm grateful I had a bed last night. I'm grateful I know, you know, I just start, because you get so accustomed to everything being a certain way in your life, you forget to be grateful. You know what I'm grateful for? When I go back today, I have electricity. You know when the light, you know when the power is off and you keep flipping the light switch because you're just so used to doing it. Every time I walk in my closet, I'm, and we have, um, we, we have like these recliners that are, you know, they're smart chairs. So they, and mine was in the recline position when the power went off. So I'm trying, I can't get it. So I keep hitting the button and like, how many times is this Pavlov dog going to keep hitting this button? You know, and, and, and I remember when, um, when I was a single dad, I had Jared and Christina were real little and they were staying with me one night and all the power went out and they were scared. So I, they, I, I said, y'all just come sleep in the bed with me because it was like totally pitch black dark. What I didn't know is that they thought uh, that if they just turned enough things on, it would make the power come on. So without me knowing, they had gone all around the house, flipped everything on, turned my stereo on, everything. So at 3 a.m., when everything came on, I was like, oh, snap, there is a rapture. I'm like, now, now you tell me. And... uh I mean, when I tell you it scared the bejesus out of all three of us, and I said, what did y'all do? They said, we turned on everything trying to get the lights to come on. I said, that's not how it works. But they didn't know any better. Um, so I'm great. Today, I'm sure when I go, I'll be grateful for electricity. Because guess what? A lot of things are run by electricity. You forget that until you don't have it. And, you know, the first night, Friday night was kind of nice, you know. We we have a lot of scented candles, so we ah, it's fine. I've got a I've got a big window with street lights that'll come in. So I, t- I pulled up the blinds and opened the window because we couldn't run the air conditioner and had candles everywhere. And oh, this is nice. It's kind of laid back and relaxed, and you know, people kept saying it's romantic. I'm like, okay, sure, uh, all right. Um, one night of that. It's kind of fun. The second night is like, okay, we're, we're going to have to be able to make coffee in the morning. Like something's not, something, this is, <laughs> this isn't cool. And, uh, but again, you have to make, uh, the difference in your mind. I'm not necessarily happy that a thing happened, but all things work together for good. I mean, who knows? We might find out later that something could have been going on in my building last night that we were spared from because we went. I mean, that that kind of stuff happens all the time. 
that you find out later that, oh, wow, that actually was advantageous that, that it happened. You know, like there were people on the way to um, the Twin Towers on September 11th that morning who got caught in traffic. That You know, they're cursing the traffic jam that ended up saving their life. Uh, here it is in another um, uh, translation. This is out of the message. It says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Now again, I don't believe there's this huge man in the, in the heavens that's got this big chessboard that's moving us around, testing it. I, I don't think that. If that's who you think God is, I, I don't know what to tell you. But I do believe that a lot of things just happen. Some things we make happen. And I do believe that there is a God, a God consciousness, a God concept, a God idea that if you love it, if you express love for it, all things work together for them that love God and are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? Um, you have to determine what His purpose is. Let me tell you something. If you're just putting your life on hold saying, I don't know what God's up to, but God's got a plan. God's doing something. Nothing ever is ever going to happen. You actually have to do stuff. You have to like make appointments and show up for them and not just say, I just think God's doing something. No, He's not. And if nothing's happened in 30 years, you can be sure that whoever God is, He's been looking at you for 30 years going, why don't you do something? <laughs> you know the, the famous joke about the guy that uh, it was in the flood. I'm going to tell it to you again real quick. Uh, he, he was flooding. They were evacuating the area. And he says, I'm not leaving. God's going to give, God's going to give me a way of escape. So, you know, truck comes by with people saying, you got to, you got to leave your house, get in the truck. We're going to take you to safety. No, God's, God's got a plan. God's going to save me. Okay. Uh, so he stays. Water keeps rising about halfway up the house. Boat comes by. Please get in the boat. Your house is going to be submerged in water. No, God's got a plan. God's going to make a way. God, I don't know. He's going to make a way where there is no way. All right. It's finally, water's up over the roof. He's standing there. Helicopter comes down and hovers. Please get in. No, God's going to make a way. God's going to deliver me. Finally, the man is submerged. He drowns. He goes to heaven. He says, God, where were you? I told everybody that you were going to save me. And you didn't. And God says, I sent a truck. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. You said no to everything I sent you. And that's why you have to believe it. not everything is um, like supernatural. It's, but it becomes supernatural when you practice gratitude for it. So the concept that I want to get across to you or reiterate to you today is that all things are working together. For good. Working together. You know, if I took... Um, all the ingredients of, of baking a cake. Uh, what goes into it? Flour, shortening, salt, sugar, eggs, uh, flavoring, whatever you put into it. None of those things are good by themselves. Like an egg would be okay, but not raw. All of those things work together, stirred together with heat applied to them. It's an incredible metaphor for how all things work together. Because once it's been heated, it's the pressure's been applied, then all those things actually turn out to be great ingredients. Um, you know, there's a thing, I, I can't believe this kind of thing happens, but I've seen several sitcoms where it happened where like uh, somebody would, I was watching an old Dick Van Dyke show recently where uh, the, the, Petries uh, were upset at their neighbors, Jerry and Miller Helper, because they left, uh, their kids had these uh, intercoms where they were playing with, and so the kids left it on, and the, the Petries could hear, you don't know what the Dick Van Dyke show was, right? The Petries could hear what the helpers were saying about them, and they said something negative, and so, you know, it really hit the fan. And in the, in the, um, uh, what they heard, Millie says, 
She says, you know, I, I made this, they were, it was a party they were having that night. And the Petries weren't going to show up because they were mad. And she said, you know, Laura gave me this recipe for this dip, but something tastes weird about it. She said, would you taste it? And he, and he, he tastes it, and he says, yes, yeah, something's left out of it. And she said, surely she wouldn't have just left intentionally something out of the recipe so it wouldn't be as good as hers. I can't believe she would do that. And so Rob Petrick hears it and he goes, can you believe she would accuse you of something like that? She would think you would do that. And Mary Tyler Moore is playing Laura. She, she just gets really quiet. And he said, did you do that? And she said, well, yeah, I just didn't want her dip to be as delicious as mine. I'm, I'm known for that dip. And my, the point is, all the stuff that's happened in your life, and if you'll notice, I said stuff. Because there's another word I could use. But all of it together, it's all, all things have worked together for you good. Without that one thing that might be unpleasant, distasteful, painful, the other stuff wouldn't have happened. I mean, some of you are in the right relationship now because you were in the wrong one before. And it doesn't mean that the you don't have, still have some PTSD from the wrong one you were in before. You understand? It's like, yeah, if he or she hadn't been such a jerk, I wouldn't be where I am now, but they still did some psychological damage to me. Again, you got to say, I'm not happy about it. I'm grateful for it. Okay? Uh, then I want to show you another quote. Um, I just, this is so simple. I just love it. It will never be perfect. Make it work. Life. This, this is the message. This is the message life gives us. And I love that it's got a, a, a um, little plant breaking through the concrete or whatever it is. Um, you say, well, I thought it was God causing all things to work together. It's God in you causing all things to work together. Because if you don't respond appropriately to everything that happens, it's either not going to work together for your good or you're going to delay the goodness. There's going to have to be this whole other category in your life where you just say, I'm going to have to put this over here. I don't know why the heck that happened. I can't make any sense of it. But I'm going to have to believe all things are working together for my good. And I may have to wait to get to the other side to, for this to finally make sense. But I know in my own life, there's some things I can look back on, things that were very difficult, very painful at the time. And now I look back and I think, wow, that's actually advantageous that that happened. Because if that hadn't and I couldn't have seen that in the moment. When you're in the middle of it and you're feeling all the emotion and somebody says, all things work together, you want, I'm about to work something together on your head. Shut up. That's not comforting me. Right? You got to know when to speak and when not to speak. When somebody's being abused by somebody, they don't need to, they don't need a lecture about forgiveness because they're in the middle of dealing with something that you're not dealing with. And some things, you know, when you're trying to comfort a friend or minister to somebody, sometimes you just have to sit with them in their pain because they're not, they're not even ready to be comforted yet. Have you ever had somebody try to comfort you when you were going through something difficult and what you wanted to say to them is, you know what, in my heart of hearts, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure what you're saying to me is the truth. But for God's sake, shut up. I'm sure that I'm sure you're right. And at some point when the dust clears and the smoke settles, I'm sure I will agree with you. But it's a little premature right now because I'm right in the middle of it. If, if, if a woman's in labor and she's having, if she's having uh, labor pains, she doesn't need a lecture about, you're going to be so happy with all, you're like, shut up. She's in, she's in crisis right now. Yes, we know there's a baby coming. Shut up. There's nothing worse than an overly positive person when you're go, 
dealing with you when you're going through a very negative situation. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm here if you need me. And not even try to make somebody feel better about it because they're just not ready yet. You're pulling the, you're pulling the butterfly out of the cocoon prematurely. At a certain point, yes, they will, they will get some perspective and some distance on it and they will see it with some clarity and they will, and they or you will be able to say, all things work together. Next thing is, um, this quote, uh, Shauna Nyquist. When life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. And when life is bitter, say thank you and grow. Uh, I, I taught on this on a 11.11 a few weeks ago. I was using the, this, this passage in James where he says, uh, there in chapter 5, he says, uh, when you come together, if there's any uh, merry among you, let him sing songs. If there's any afflicted, let him pray. Uh, if there's any sick, let him call for the elders of the church and anointing them with all the prayer of faith to save the sick and the Lord to raise them up. And just the very fact that he's saying that, he's saying a congregation is not monolithic. People come in here and they're, they're in different places. Um, and when I taught on this, uh, I was talking about b- back when I was young and stupid. Uh, just because you have an anointing doesn't mean you don't have some stupidity to you. You can be anointed and stupid simultaneously. You can be anointed and immature. And uh, I was I was known as a worship leader. Even there was a little time in the seventies when all the like when the charismatic faith people would come and rent out these arenas. A lot of times they would hire me. I I sort of had a a gig as a as a worship leader. Like so they they'd be at the World Congress Center, some of these places, and they'd say, "We saw you lead worship at the Kenneth Hagen meeting. Would, would you would you lead worship for this?" So I that was a, a nice little ministry that I had for a period of time. And back then, my concept of worship is get everybody to enter in and don't let up on them until they're there. You know, make everybody raise their hands whether they feel like it or not. Make everybody dance whether they feel like it or not. Make everybody jump whether they feel like it or not. And if they don't, just push in harder. Because that's that's what I was taught. You just keep moving that congregation to your breakthrough. Now, you couldn't pay me to do something like that. Because I know what it's like to show up for a service and say, look, just be grateful that I made it today. And no, I'm not going to be jumping and leaping because I'm just not, I'm just not in a jumping, leaping. Some of y'all don't even know what that was, but this was past, post Pentecostal. The Pentecostals waited. You, were, you said you were raised church of God in Christ. The, those of us who were raised Pentecostal, we waited till the Spirit moved us before we did something. And some of you that came out of those churches, you know, like if, if it, if it hit somebody, everybody just stood back. You know those churches where people would join hands around them to make sure they didn't hurt somebody. And some of those really serious churches would have nurses. Remember those nurses that be standing there with gloves in case somebody just got too carried away and and they've taken them out. So that that was a, a Pentecostal concept. When the Charismatics came along, their whole idea was you can make it happen. Like I remember the first time I went to a Norville Hayes me who I ended up working for years later, but. I remember he was like old country guy and he said, we're all going to come down here at the end of the service. We're all going to come down here and dance before the Lord. So like, we're going to dance before the Lord. You know, and I remember thinking, you can't just do it. You can't just go in and like just make it happen. I mean, you got to wait till it, till it hits you. Like it's, it's got to come on you. And I, re- I remember everybody's coming out there like doing these charismatic, you know, white charismatic dances, you know, and, um, and I remember thinking, this is wrong. You can't just, you can't just do it. And, um, but then later I, you know, I got acclimated to that. And so this is back in the days where I said, everybody stand. If you won't joy, you must dance for it. And I'm, I, I would say things like, we're going to sing this until everybody dances. And I, I remember now people would look at me like, I'm going to kill you if you don't shut up. But I didn't care. That was back in the days like, you know, the devil is a lie. I'm going to push through until we get victory here tonight. We didn't get victory. We just wore people down. 
I would never do that today. To, to me, that would be disrespectful. Uh, now, if, if I lead any, anything at all, it's kind of like the way Eddie did it today. It's like, you're free to sing along if you want to, or if you just want to listen. Like, there's no wrong way to respond to this. Because sometimes you misjudge somebody. You think, oh, they're, they're just not sensitive to the Spirit. Now, you have no idea what they're going through. Think about how many times in your life you've had to show up for some event or do something or be there for your kids or do something and you've, you've thought, if people only knew how much I don't want to be here or what, what it's the amount of fortitude it's taking me just to participate in this, that I, I would win an award. And the fact that I'm putting a smile on my face and being happy, I, I should be... I should be nominated for an Oscar. And that's why you can't judge other people for their actions because you don't know what's going on with them. And you think something's about you. It may not be about you at all. I've been dealing with people my whole life. been in the ministry 50-something years. I'm, people still regularly surprise me at some of the things they will say what's going on with them. I think I did not see that. I didn't know. Thank you for telling me because it makes me understand but I was, I was already not, intentionally not judging you, even though I didn't understand. I mean, this was huge for me when I finally realized not, not everything's about me. Do you know what I mean? It's like when people stopped coming to church, I would take it personally. And sometimes I think now, I think this isn't about me. They're going through a lot of stuff in their life. They, they love me. It's like this isn't about me. They're just dealing with stuff. Just be grateful that they showed up for any period of time. Um, next thing is a scripture I'm going to end on. Uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is in the Living Bible. In the King James is where it says, in everything give thanks. Uh, here it says, no matter, this is in the, the Living Bible, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He's not saying be happy for everything that happened. Um, there are horrible things that happen to people. Um, there's some days I look at the situation in the world and I see man's continued inhumanity to man and it becomes overwhelming. I'm just be honest with you. I I've really... I don't know when I've had to fight more anxiety over world issues right now. I mean, I, I wish I felt better about certain things, but I look and I think, I don't know. I mean, in politics, I think, I, I don't know what the answer is. Like, I understand the limitations with this candidate, but sweet Jesus, the alternative is so horrible, and I don't know an answer. Uh, and it's... it's um, challenging not to give in to despair. Am I being too real? Um, but I have to say, alright, in everything, I'm going to, I'm just going to give thanks. And I'm going to believe that somehow all things are, are working together, not just for my good, but for the good of the big picture. It's hard to believe sometimes, you know, when Dr. King said these words, they, he was quoting a professor of his, where he says um, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. It's a great concept, but there's sometimes you look at it and you think, I don't know, does it? I mean, I look at, I've looked at several documentaries from things that were like 50, 60 years ago, and I look at it and I think, uh, things don't look any better or different than they did. Not really. Um, you mentioned Carlton earlier. He told me something one time. Really, uh, really struck me. Um, a lot of people don't know this about Billy Graham. Now, his son Franklin is nothing like him. I, I don't know where Franklin came from, but Billy Graham actually, actually was a universalist. I mean, he actually believed that ultimately 
all people would be saved. You wouldn't know that if you just judged him by the altar calls. But if you'll, if you'll listen to his, uh, messages, he didn't talk a lot about hell. He, he did talk about making a commitment to Christ and come, you know, people would sing just as I am. But it, there wasn't a lot of threat in his, uh, teachings. And, um, and if you Google it, you can see, you know, he even said in an interview years ago, uh, somebody asked him, they said, what would you do if you found out one of your kids was gay? And he said, well, I guess I would have to love him even more. Which, back when he said that, was considered highly controversial. Because most people from his world would have said, I'm going to turn him over to the destruction of the flesh, you know, because they're perverts. And, um, but Carlton told me one time that, cause Carlton was a protege of Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was very close to Billy Graham. And, um, they were at a dinner somewhere. It was like after a meeting, they were standing in line. And, uh, he said, I was just talking to Graham. I don't know how old he would have been at this point, but he was still preaching. But in a sort of moment of, wistful uh, candidness. He said to Carlton, he said, you know, when I first started preaching, I really thought it was going to make the world a better place. And all these years later, after I've spent all this time, I don't think the world is a better place. He's, he's like, Carlton said, I was really surprised that he said it. Because most ministers aren't that honest about stuff like that. I mean, most people want to say, I came and I made a difference, you know, and he's like, I, I thought things would be different by now. And I never stopped thinking that was, I was so surprised that he would have said something like that. Now, I don't want to leave you on a low note. What I'm saying is we're all feeling it. When I say I feel anxiety, don't you feel it too? I mean, I'm just being honest. I look at, and you know, I'm a news junkie and every week it gets more <laughs> like this week I'm watching the House and the Senate just about come into fist fights. And I'm like, good God, how much more is this going to spiral downward? I'm like, hey everybody, there's a lot going on. Could y'all <laughs> could y'all just could y'all just act like senators for a minute? Not that I think anybody's supposed to be perfect, but sweet Jesus. It's like and I'm, you know, and it's on both sides. I mean, that's, you know, the one side worse than the others, but, but there's, there's stuff on the other side that you're like, why is that guy still in there? Why haven't y'all done something about him? And, you know, usually you think, well, the next election, this will all be taken care of. And you're like, oh God, <laughs> what are we, <laughs> what are we going to do? Crazy world. People, I get relatives saying, Joe Biden's too old to be president. I'm like, well, okay, Donald Trump's only 36 months younger than him. I mean, you're not talking like he's like some young buck that's got all the answers. I mean, they're both old people who both say a lot of things that think, ooh, give me the car keys, Papa, you know, <laughs> both of them. And I think you know, you know, I think you know where I lean politically, but even, you know, this week, you know, we, we finally got, uh, Xi over here. I mean, China's the, besides the United States, largest economy in the world. And, uh, somebody in the, right there in front of him asked Biden, you said he was a dictator, is he? And, and, you know, everybody's like, make this a little better, please. And he says, yeah, he is. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> I guess it's on. I mean, part of me said, "Well, okay, the the truth sets you free." But maybe you could have buffered that a little. Maybe you could have said, "Well, dictators, you know, is different." I mean, you know, the guy's standing right there. I, who knows? Maybe it's a wake up call for him. Maybe I don't know. But I was like, "Ooh, Joe, I don't know. I don't know." And, uh, don't even get me started on some of the other things I've heard. But, uh, and, you know, we've got a, 
an ex-president who's uh, on so far 91 indictments and as of this morning is leading in the polls. <laughs> I watched the news this morning like he is now officially ahead. And I'm like, okay, what would that look like <laughs> if he's incarcerated? Like, how are we going to do that? And nobody knows because ain't nothing like that ever happened before. There's no precedent for it. There's not even certain laws on the books to give them a vehicle to deal with it if it did happen. So there's, to me, there's a whole lot of news watching saying, I got to turn this off for a minute because, whew, it takes, where's, this, where's them blood pressure gummies I was taking? Because I'm not feeling better. And the question is, is can you feel optimistic about everything in general? Can you believe that all things work together? That all things work together for good? I mean, I don't know. Can you? Can we? Um, and, and so what I want to leave you with is gratitude is this force that you apply to all the areas of your life. And gratitude makes what we have into enough. It turns situations around. If you keep cursing a negative thing in your life, it's just going to stay negative. If, however, you look at it and say, all right, I'm going to acknowledge this thing. It's ugly. It's painful. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like talking about it. But it's part of my story. So I'm going to find a way to express gratitude for it. Not happiness about it. My brain's not going to accept that. My brain's not going to say, yeah, sure, get happy about it. No, it's, if it was terrible when it happened, it's terrible now. You know, there's some things that you think, oh, maybe that wasn't as bad as I remember. And then you go back and look at some of the stuff you wrote back then. You're like, oh, no, it was bad. It was, it was really bad. If you ever run into an old, like an ex-spouse, an ex-partner, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, and, and you, you know, for a minute you think, why did we ever break up? Whatever happened? And then about 10 minutes in the conversation, they say something like, oh, there it is. Now I remember. I forgot for a minute, but now I remember who you are. Nice seeing you. Tell everybody I said, hey. Um, <laughs> So there's some things that you think, no matter how much I think about it, it's going to be painful. Can I express gratitude for it? I know I'm hounding this point, but you've got to get, I've got to get this. To understand, happy about it is not the same as grateful for it. And grateful for it means all things are working together for my good. And I'm just going to be crazy enough to believe that for my country and for the world. Because what's the alternative? Am I just going to give up and say, well, the world's full of racist, anti-Semitic, hateful, homophobic. I mean, I can't, I can't just give that up and say, you know, what, what are you going to do if, if that's reality? Then what? Are you just going to go live in your house and, you know, uh, be isolated from everybody? That's not an answer. You're going to have to learn to coexist with people and celebrate when there's little advancements, little victories, and take what you can get. And the parts of people that don't change, you have to say, Satan has come to me, but he has nothing in me. I'm not, I'm not going to let you trigger me or push my buttons. I know this is who you are. I'm going to figure out a way to live without you in my purview. But I'm going to still go ahead and live my life. Let me tell you this. There is nothing that has ever happened to you that is worth you not living out the rest of your life. There's nothing that anybody's done to you that's bad enough. Amen. Don't ever empower anyone or anything to just say that was it. Like I was... I had a life until this thing happened and then I'm done. Nothing should be that powerful in your life. No person should be that powerful. 
I mean, even if you have to say, you broke my heart and, and made me rethink everything, but dear God, I got here. You know, they, they were asking me if uh, I was going to see the, the, what's coming out with the color purple, it's the um, movie version of the musical that's been on Broadway for years. And uh, it's coming out Christmas Day, and yes, I probably will see it Christmas Day. Um, but you know, in the original Color Purple movie, uh, that famous line when um, Seely's leaving with Suge Avery and her man, and Danny Glover, who a lot of people don't realize that you know the NAACP really picketed that movie and boycotted it, but the Mister character did redeem himself. If you watch that whole movie, he's the one that brought Seely's family from Africa. And remember when he goes out to that shed and he's got the money. So it is a story of redemption. And you know there's that let there's that last scene if I'm assuming y'all have seen it. There's that last scene where uh where Seely's family arrives and she looks over and she sees Mr. on the in the rocking chair and she smiles because she knows he did it. So he's not just a monster. He was the story was he he was he, there was an act of redemption. But before that happened, because there was even a scene, I don't know if this was in the book, but there was a scene that they ended up cutting out where Mr. and Seely in later years were sitting on a front porch in rocking chairs talking about how they had worked it all out. And, but they decided that wasn't necessary for the plot. But there is that one scene where uh, she gets in the back of that convertible and he, you know, he comes out and he says, where are you going to go? You're poor, you're black. You're ugly. You're a woman. I mean, it's just like the devil saying all this stuff. And she says, she says, uh, uh, I may be poor. I may be, you know, she's, she's, but dear God, I'm here. And he lunges for her and she goes like that. And it just stops him in his track. That's what gratitude, you know, gratitude says, yeah, dude, you nearly killed me. You, you, yes, I'll give you that. You nearly killed me, but you didn't. So. And, and that's kind of what, if you can remember this on Thanksgiving, that's what gratitude does. Like all your mistakes from the past. They say, you ruined your life. Look at your wrong decisions. Look how you messed it up. You've messed up your kids. Your divorce was your fault. You, you did this wrong thing. You did this terrible thing. When you say, I'm going to be grateful for it. All things work together for good. Your spirit says that. And it makes all the accusations just stop and shut up. Because once gratitude has been applied, the thing is no longer powerful over you. If, however, you keep trying to make it into a good memory, that's never going to work. If it was painful then, it's going to be painful now. If they were an, an animal or a monster then, that's who they are now. Accept it. But gratitude says, no, you're not going to destroy my life. I'm going to have a good Thanksgiving. I'm going to have a good holidays. 2024 is going to be a great year. I'm not getting older. I'm getting better. I'm going from glory to glory. If i got some health issues, I'm going to figure them out so that I can have a great third act and live out the rest of my days. And however many days I have, I'm going to try to make them as meaningful and as powerful as they possibly can be. I'm going to be grateful for every little thing. I'm going to enjoy every little thing. No matter how minute it is. Last night, you know, I was thinking, why are we in this hotel when my light... I live right down the street my lights are on. And then my next thought was, yeah, but they got feather pillows in this bed. And there's a lot of... I love to cocoon. Because, you know, we're at that stage now where I'm like, I got us both double beds. You enjoy, stretch out. I enjoy, stretch out. He didn't argue. We're like, we're, he was, it was air, air conditioning. He, I, I know when that cover gets up over here, I'm like, good night. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And he, he was like, he was so out. I was like, hey, Ken, do you need to take your contacts out? And he, he just looked at me like, did like that as well. Okay. I, I did my best, but I got in there and I thought, you know what? I was going to be grateful for all these pillows because I love when I can lay on my side and, oh, there's one for in between my legs. It gets my spine and I, and you know, my arm, my shoulder's still kind of hurting a little bit. So I got, I can prop up on this one and I got one on my, I was like completely cocooned and I thought, I'm just going to be grateful 
for all these feather pillows. It was so good this morning. I told him, I said, see if we can get a late checkout. I'm just going to stream from here. I'm going to say, I'm, we're streaming live to the Georgia Terrace Hotel. Because <laughs> I just, it was just hard to get up out of that bed. It was like a really good bed. So I'm just grateful for that. Not, I mean, I've got a great bed at home. It's not that. It's just like, well, you know what? I had a great night's sleep. And yay. And just be grateful for it. And when anything comes along uh, in the in your next phase of life that starts dragging up stuff that's happened or could happen in the future and making you think the good's not going to happen, you got to say, I am grateful. I am grateful. And stop it right there and enjoy. Did you get anything out of this? Let's all stand. Without saying it out loud, just, just make a quick gratitude list of, just think of five things, just right off the top of your head, that you could just number. What am I grateful for this morning? I'm thinking of mine. And then just keep doing that. When you're driving today, what are the next five? What are the next five? I guarantee you, there's more good happening in your life than there is negative. The good just gets a lot of, I mean, the bad, the perceived bad gets a lot of, it's a squeaky wheel. It gets a lot of grease. It gets a lot of attention. But the good stuff, you're so used to stuff that you don't even think about it. Um, you, you take it for granted. So this week, eat your turkey. We already went Friday night. We went to the turkey dinner just because we're already in the mood. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're, I'm picking up stuff from Mary Max Wednesday night, taking over my mom's. We'll eat it there Thursday night. It'll be, it'll be good. Uh, but with all of that stuff, don't forget what the whole thing's about. It's about gratitude. Just just for a moment before we go, if you hands, if you just want to stand there and gra- however you express gratitude, just. If nothing else, oh God, you got me through 2023. I made it this far. Think about what are some of the things that you thought were going to kill you that actually ended up making you stronger. Some of you have survived terrible things this year, but you're still here. Be grateful. Don't be afraid to express gratitude. Gratitude doesn't mean you think everything's perfect. Waiting for perfection is a pipe dream. Being grateful changes everything. We are grateful. Whoever whoever God is to you, whatever your concept of a higher power is, be grateful. Spirit of God, we are grateful. Our God is a good God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth. In Mount Zion on the sides of the north the city of the great King. God is great and greatly to be praised. How excellent is Your name, O Lord, in all the earth. Express gratitude. Gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Make mention that His name is exalted. For He has done excellent things and this is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, you inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. Great is our God. Great is the Lord. Our God is great. Our God has blessed us. We are blessed when we come in. We are blessed when we go out. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the country. We are blessed in the basket. We are blessed in the store. The Lord makes us the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. We worship the living God. Regardless of how much our perception of that God changes and evolves, the fact is we do believe in God. And we worship that God. That Creator of all things. We still choose to believe that You're watching over us and protecting us. And we do pray for peace in, this, in the earth. In these next few weeks 
We're going to hear so many songs about peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Good. We need to hear it. Let there be peace on earth. Let us sing every one of those Christmas carols and believe as audacious as it sounds, believe that there will be peace on earth regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of the hostility in the world, let there be goodwill toward people. Our gratitude prevents us from giving up hope. Our gratitude keeps hope alive. And even as we come to the end of this year, we enter the new one with gratitude. With gratitude for the possibilities in it. We bless 2024 ahead of time. Before we get there, we bless it. I bless the elections. I bless our political system. I bless Washington. I bless our president. I bless our system. Let the system work. Let issues be resolved. Let problems be solved. Because cursing the darkness isn't going to help anything. We light a candle instead. We choose to keep hope alive because we are a grateful, thankful people. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Amen. Just remain standing. We'll play the outro and then I'll let you go. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give any time using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you've successfully completed your donation. You may also visit visionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, make it to JESM and uh, we'll take it. And uh, if you have cash, just pay it forward. Uh, hope everybody has an excellent Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, I speak uh, traveling protection and mercies over you that you enjoy whatever situation you're in on Thursday, uh, that you're just grateful for your life and grateful for uh, what you have. I'm grateful for you today. I love you all. I appreciate you all. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'll see you. Peace.